Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And we're back here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, and we are on the premiere show of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Network. We are on ESSR Central. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host as usual, Ross McLeod, and, well, I thought to join us on the premiere show this week, we'd get someone from the minor leagues, we'd get someone from Saturday Draft Live, we'd get, well, not the best host on Saturday Draft Live, not the first or second or third we basically got the production guy from saturday draft live we've got david hockney here david how are you <laughs> i mean just when you thought your insults couldn't get any lower i mean that's uh that's an insult you know i'm the one that does all the the analytics and the math stuffs behind the scenes i get i don't get nearly enough credit as i should do on that show you want to talk about not getting credit on that show i won the thing at a canter and won the title and, and on the last sweep, and I've still not been invited on onto hey, this new season, season eleven. I praised you for your win, by the way. None of that, uh, none of that goat pish that was going on there. Like I, I praised you for your win. You earned it, and but unfortunately, the goat is the loudest voice in the room. So that's my one. Uh, that's my one. Uh, what's the word? Setback. Right. Well. Well, if you'd like to listen to more shows like this, more reviews, previews, interviews and all the news and, you know, propaganda pish hosted by a, a small man with a big forehead, well, then you can go to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. You'll find all our content there. And if you want to get involved in the conversation at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you name it, we are there. So, David, it's, um, <clears throat> it's War Games this Sunday. Whoop, whoop. I'm not I'm not yelling it because it doesn't feel right because William Regal hasn't yelled it yet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you can't have war games without Regal saying the the famous uh, war games type thing. And it's, <laughs> it's not even a t- it's not even a takeover as well. It's just called NXT War Games. Yeah, I think part of the new branding with the NXT 2.0 sort of thing is the fact that takeovers are gone. But I, like put it this way, it means means very little to me. You know, WWE removed in your house from programming in, like, 97 or something like that, and mm. no one's really cared since, to be honest with you. So, you know, as long as the pay-per-view is quality, I don't think anyone will care that it's not named TakeOver. But part of the NXT restructure, we have the old school versus the new school and the men's war games, and we have Toxic toxic Attraction, team with Dakota Kai, to take on Team Raquel Gonzalez. And two... two Two war games I'm quite looking excited for. The the women's war games has got the storyline there, and this is a, a sort of 2012 2013 feel to NXT where they were starting something new, but they had a few veterans that sprinkled about a few like name stars. Th- this sort of feels like that. It's the old versus the new, and yeah, even though it's not a takeover, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean. The match itself basically sells the event. Doesn't matter if it's a takeover or not. Uh, you know, War Games. You know, there's a lot of history behind it. When NXT brought it back, it basically reinvented. You know, what a War Games match was all about. Even with you know the the three v three v three concept when they first started, but the four v four definitely is the one going forward. But out of the two, 
I'm actually more interested in the women's match, largely because, you know, as you said, it's got a lot more storyline build to it. And it has, like, one of the sides is a genuine faction. You know, it's not just a, a mishmash of, you know, face-heel characters bundled together. And that's why I feel, like, with the men's one, I suppose you can sort of draw a line between the two teams. But, none, well, maybe aside from Gargano and Champa, like, none of these guys on Team, team Old School where hadn't had that much interaction on the build-up to this show. So I'm not as invested in the men's one, but I'm interested to see. I think there's a lot more potential with the, the women's match. Yeah, I agree. I think when um, it's, a, it's a rivalry heading in, like a personal rivalry, such as the Dakota Kai, mm-hmm. Raquel Gonzalez one, and then you've got the fact that Toxic Attraction hold all the gold. Um, exactly. There is a lot more personal stuff there just to just the teams for the women's war games Raquel Gonzalez Il Shirai Cora Jade and Kaylee Ray um, Kaylee Ray very heavily promoted uh, since the NXT 2.0 takeover and Cora Jade someone who's who's been used uh, quite well quite pushed quite heavily in this new sort of era of NXT stars mm-hmm. do you think this would be a chance for both of those two to sort of break out yeah, definitely. I mean, Cora Jade is the, the only one on that team that doesn't have War Games experience, given that the other three have all competed in at least one. And although I can smell a heel turn coming at this show, because it feels weird to see Kaylee Ray on sort of the, the default face team, as it were, because she's much, much better as a as a heel persona. So, and I don't know if maybe her or Cora Jade were filled in because of Zoe Stark's injury, but either way, it's, uh, it is quite, it looks like a dominant team on paper, but I think things could change on the, on the show itself. Whereas Toxic Attraction and Dakota Kai, they may have lost the, the advantage ladder match this week, but more often than not, it's the team that goes in without the advantage is usually the one that ends up winning. And by that formula, and I think Toxic Attraction needs to continue that momentum, plus Dakota needs a win over Raquel, uh, I'm leaning more towards the heel team walking away this one. It's weird as well to think that this time last year, Raquel Gonzalez actually pinned Io Shirai and began her sort of ascent to the the women's Mm -hmm. title. Um, It is a a game. So War Games is a match where you could you really can break out and breakout performances can happen. Um, you, we saw the Undisputed Era, um, mm. you know, sort of make this match their own over the years. And it's one uh, it's one I'm really looking forward to, the women's match. There's a lot of story there. Let's talk about the, the men's match here. Team Black and Gold, uh, Champa, Gargano, Pete Dunne, LA Knight, versus Team 2.0, Braun Brecker, uh, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony Yet. Tony D'Angelo, he's for me to say. <laughs> um, this has been a this has been a match that's eluded Johnny Gargano, Mister NXT. He's competed in just about every match in NXT, uh, competed for every title, and he's he's signed a week long extension. Um, do you think he's taking the pin here and he's off, or do you think? Do you think Johnny Gargano is going to stay put after War Games? Uh, it's hard to say, really. I mean, he's only signed a one-week extension to cover his uh, his time to cover the War Games event. But 
that's not to say it hasn't happened before, like where he continues to stay on afterwards, because you never know, he could sign a deal last minute, kind of like what CM Punk did in Money in the Bank 2011, or when Tommy Dreamer said if he didn't win the ECW title back in 2009 or 2008, that he would be leaving. So never, never say never with Gargano, but uh, rumors have been speculating, you know, he might, um, he might venture elsewhere. Also, he might just go off on leave to maybe look after his new family and stuff because I don't know how far Candace is down the pregnancy, but I imagine you know he'll want to be there for her as well. But that this is all just speculation on on my part. Uh, I think for them to fully make the transition over to to two point oh, even though it goes against you know it goes against my heart of hearts. You know I loved Black and Gold NXT. You know with all these guys like DIY done and even to an extent LA Knight, even though he was a bit of a late, late arrival as, as mis, as mismatched as the team 2.0 is, if that's the direction they're going, then I think they'll just have to go with it. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think 2.0 get the win here just for the simple fact that Champa beat breaker at Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. So he's got his win. Breaker needs his win, and then you'll get the final match, you know, later down the line. Where I think, think we've known since episode one that Braun Breaker's the the breakout star of this this NXT era. Easily, yeah. Um, just quickly running through the other matches: Cameron Grimes versus Duke Hudson, Hair versus Hair, always a fun match. Roderick Strong with the Diamond Mine defending his cruiserweight title against Joe Gacy with Harland, and a match I want to talk to you about because it also has. Um, a two, uh, sorry, a black and gold sort of original, and someone who's been rumored to be going elsewhere. Kyle O'Reilly, he's teaming with Von Wagner against Imperium to challenge for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Kyle O'Reilly also recently signed. Is this a? I know, I know we've seen like the the, the small Bobby Fish uh, Adam Cole reunion. And AEW, and you know, we've seen stuff like that, but I'm really, and we'll get to this later about uh, Adam Cole's booking. I've not been a fan of Adam Cole's booking in AEW. I feel he's more of a big deal here. And I think even before Adam Cole left from about October time last year, NXT's put a lot of emphasis on Kyle O'Reilly mm-hmm. and done a lot to make him. I, I'm not a fan of him as a babyface, but a lot of people are. They've done a lot to make him a marketable babyface. Do you think it would be a mistake for Kyle O'Reilly to leave, or do you think do you think his future lies elsewhere? I honestly think his future lies elsewhere because in this version of NXT, I feel like he's really plummeted down the card. You know, he's been reduced to a a makeshift tag team with Von Wagner. I don't know if they've got that much chemistry between each other, but they don't look like a you know, a traditional style of tag team. But then again, WWE never put so much attention on its tag teams to begin with. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly's stock has really, really dropped since this whole transition. And I think he would benefit massively if he went to AEW and rejoined with Adam Cole. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Does it it always have to be AEW? Because I think a lot of people just think that as soon as somebody jumps to AEW, that's... That you know, that's that, and you know, they, they, this guy is going to be a world champion. And you know, we've seen AEW in its in its two years 
be quite careful with who who they book as world champion. You know, their world champions always booked very strong. They don't do, you know, right, 30 days, now you're the champ. 30 days, now you're the champ. They, you know, they, they keep it quite close to the chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really don't think, I don't think AEW is the answer for Kyle O'Reilly. Don't get me wrong. I, I see exactly what you mean about this makeshift tag team. I think Von Wagner has all the charisma of a wet carrot. And I really, <laughs> I really have nothing. Like I, I don't see what it is. Like he's tall, but it's not as if he's like a brick shit house. He's sort of mm. like you know says the Greek god here. But I, I, like I don't see, I see much there. And I think this is the problem with NXT now. As you know, when NXT was officially developmental, when it was in full sail university, when it was you know Bobby Roode loses the title, so he goes up and then. Drew loses the title, so he goes up, and you know, blah blah blah. I think that's the problem when people stick around. When now that we've made NXT a brand, we're so used to just seeing someone be there. You know, they'll maybe do a couple of weeks of TV, and then they'll have one takeover match. Then they'll go for the title, win the title, hold it for maybe three takeovers, lose it, and then they'll either get a rematch or they'll go straight up. Mm. Because we're so used to that formula, it makes guys like. Adam Cole, when he lost it, all of a sudden we were like, well, where's Adam Cole? Because if Adam Cole's not in the main event after 480-odd you know, days as NXT champion, mm-hmm. doesn't seem right. Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, you know, when those guys fell down the card, it didn't feel right because we were conditioned to feel like they should be going elsewhere. And I think Kyle O'Reilly's a victim of that, and it's even worse because he didn't actually win the title. Yeah, but, that's exactly it. Yes, um, I mean Kyle O'Reilly's only ever won tag team championships in NXT, and we've and I've only yeah. ever seen him as a as a tag team wrestler. It doesn't matter if it was with Undisputed Era, whether it was Red Dragon, or hell, even um, Team Future Shock with Adam Cole and Ring of Honor. Exactly. So, look, I, 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 I can see why people maybe think it's time for a, a move, but I think Adam, eh, sorry, Kyle O'Reilly's future should be on Raw or SmackDown. I don't think it should be in NXT. And I really, really don't think it should be in AEW. Mm, I mean, I'm just, from my own selfish perspective, I would appreciate, I would really like it if it went to AEW simply because we get to see a, a reunion of OG Undisputed Era. But Raw or SmackDown at this stage definitely seems realistic. But if that's the case, and if they lose the tag title match, I reckon Von Wagner would have to seriously beat him down afterwards and turn heel in the process because yeah. it'd be the the only ideal way to write off write Kyle off TV and you know move him on to something new. It doesn't matter if he goes to another promotion or to Raw or SmackDown. He, I think he needs to get written off at this point. Yeah, and plus, who who is a face called Von Wagner? That, that it's, oh, it's a heel name. Did, did you see? Did you see he was on the? I can't remember if it was the, the SmackDown, the, not the Go Home SmackDown, or the the one before um, Survivor Series this year. He was just randomly backstage with Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville, and for a very brief moment, I thought, "Please don't tell me they're filling Sami Zayn's spot on the team with this guy." Like, what's the point? He's an NXT guy, so there's no brand warfare involved in that. But I'm glad they went with um, with Sheamus instead. You know, a much more reliable competitor. Yeah, me too. Um, well, th- this leads us on to our next story because WWE's actually been surveying fans and what they think about NXT 2.0 because, um, put it this way, I think, see, see if NXT was still an hour, I don't think the transition from NXT 
what it was to NXT 2.0 would have been a shock. I think it would have been, right, we're going back to the days of Sami Zayn, DIY, American Alpha, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, etc. Because, and people, people like recency bias, people like, you know, the recent takeovers where Johnny Gargano kicks out of 40 finishers and, you know, the Undisputed Era are all standing on top of a war game structure and stuff like that, you know, people seem to forget that it used to be a case of you'd maybe have an opening promo, say, the women's champion, then you'd have two squash matches, it would be some person that did get an entrance against someone they were building, mm-hmm. and then you'd have a main event where it was a big st- two big stars of either the women's, the men's, or the tag team's division. And that's just sort of what NXT was. And throughout the night, you would have wee promos and references towards other people. I think now that that's a two-hour show, it's a bit much. But Mm -hmm. I don't think if we were still an hour, we would notice it as much. No, listen, this is what got me into NXT in the first place. It It was short, it was sweet, and it was straight to the point. But what also is the main difference here is that that version of NXT, you know, black black and gold NXT, was that they hired independent, established wrestling talent. You know, that's how they were able to get the names like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Adam Cole, and the rest of Undisputed Era. Those are the guys that made black and gold NXT what it is. And let's not obviously forget, you know, people were screaming for DIY to be, you know, sort of main event level talent. And they both got there, which was great. But in this one, they just feel like afterthoughts and more of the focus always seems to be on this new crop of talent, which I hate to say it, but this is like WWE in a nutshell. They don't want to bring in established wrestlers from other promotions anymore. They'd rather just sort of grow their own talent. You know, it's, and they have set themselves a really tricky criteria to, that will engage with the audience because that's why I'm struggling to watch this new version of NXT 2.0 is that the majority of this roster, I don't really know that much about because they were all performance center graduates. They're all a certain height, a certain weight, a certain age, like, there's no diversity among it. And I just think it's like a, a big factory of mass production. And it's just the same thing, just wearing different attires and uh, different music. So, I mean, reading through some of these questions in this survey, it's um, you've got things like, I enjoy the athleticism of the wrestling talent on the show. That's fair enough. Cause they're all like, well, a good chunk of them are actually pretty good, but some are still a bit green in the ring. Promos feel natural and not too scripted. I I disagree with that. There's there's a lot of scripture in this new this new format. The um, most segments on the show feel necessary to watch. That's a bit up in the air because you know I think it was Grant in the chat that said uh, on about a two hour NXT 2.0 show there was only about fifteen to twenty minutes of wrestling, and that's not what I wanted to see. The black and gold brand. Uh, the majority of that show, it was like 45 minutes wrestling and about 15 minutes of promos. So, I mean, I think with this survey, I, they're I, basically... Can I, can I stop you there? Can I, can I stop you there? Sure. I, I I very much disagree with that because see when we used to do the TakeOver preview shows mm-hmm. and I know we had Kwaku and his dream team that did it the first year and then I started doing it with sort of Gary and that in the second year. There would be weeks leading up to a TakeOver when it was one hour, it was black and gold brand. I didn't watch maybe for five, six weeks. 
So that's six hours of TV, and I'd managed to get through it in two and a half hours by watching the big match. Because I'm sorry that it was short, sharp matches. Don't get me wrong. I feel on the first show, the NXT title match should have been longer than ten minutes. I get that, but then I'm hearing you talk as well about diversity and well, Carmelo is the North American champion and his bodyguard Trick Williams. I think they're a good team. I think they're pretty stand out. Tony D'Angelo, I think he's he's a Tony Soprano ripoff, but he stands out. You know, Braun Breaker, an absolute star in the making, and he stands out. Kaylee Ray, we might know her from ICW, we might know her from NXT UK, she might not be new to us, but she stands out in this NXT 2.0 landscape. And I think, you know, we, we see a lot of things online and Dave Meltzer reporting that WWE want to, you know, have this mould for talent. WWE want to have that mould for talent. WWE want to do this, this and this. Well, yeah, WWE did sign established independent talent, but they only get cheered because they went to NXT first and spent two years being on TV first. I know Kevin o or Kevin Steen and El Generico were big draws in Ring of Honor and Dragon Gate, but I don't think you would have got the responses you wanted if you had Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens go straight from Ring of Honor to NXT main roster WWE, and that's where NXT worked. And basically WWE have thought, well, if we've got the performance centre, it's a million dollar, you know, it's a million dollar structure. They have talent like Shawn Michaels and Triple H training the talent. Why shouldn't we be able to go, actually, let's let's get our guys in? And it's not anything new, you know, from, say, football teams. Football teams like Ajax. Ajax are famous for it. Ajax will have all their youth teams following the one system. The youth teams bring these players through and every so often there's a player that goes for 30, 40, 50 million and Ajax make money off that and they go again. See WWE, if they churn out 20 guys and say four are good hands and are around about the roster for say five, six years, two are mid cards and then you get one star. That's eight guys out of 30 people. That's a good record. And I really, I just think there's a lot of noise around NXT 2.0 about, about, oh, WWE want to do this, and WWE have this vision, and WWE have that vision. WWE might have these visions, but it doesn't mean that Carmelo, D'Angelo, Kaylee Ray, Braun Breaker aren't standout people, because I don't think they all blend in. I think where WWE went wrong is that they've had all these new characters appear at once. You know what I mean? Yes. They've not phased out the old characters in a way such as, and I'm using a lot of similarities here tonight, but say the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, Endgame, I won't spoil it, but Endgame phased out a few people. Then we had, you know, the TV series and that phased out some other people and brought others in. We've got Hawkeye at the minute. That's going to probably phase out Jeremy Renner and bring in Healy. Hayley Steinfeld, or I've probably said her name wrong, and David Campbell shouting through the phone at me. It's not how you pronounce it. But I, I think, I, I just think there's a lot of noise around NXT, and I think, like I said, we've went back to the way it used to be, and people have got so used to what it's become 
that they forgot what it was. And yeah, look, that's my opinion on it. I could rant and rave for hours on it, but nah. I just think I just think if Dave Meltzer didn't bring so much attention to these things or your your Sean Ross Saps or your whoever you are in the media like talking about WWE are planning this and WWE are planning that. How often would you hear WWE are planning doing X, Y, and Z and they never do it? You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, there was no transition between, you know, black and gold to 2.0. It almost felt like a a very knee-jerk reaction, almost like a push-off-the-cliff moment. Like, you don't get a minute, you don't even get a minute to absorb what you've just seen on the pre- on the last week of black and gold. And all of a sudden, you've got You've got people changing the set. You've got the logo, you know, splashed with God knows how many colors of paint, making it like a, a Nickelodeon set. And then um, and you've got this whole bunch of new characters who just appear on, on, on stage with no promo or build towards it. But yet, of course, you still have the old guard who are slowly getting, I worry, are slowly getting phased out. I worry some are getting phased out to be released. But if they're phased out to go to Raw or SmackDown, then I really wouldn't mind Ellie Knight and Pete Dunne and the likes on Raw and SmackDown. Mm. Like Ellie Knight is a guy who looks like he's fit for the main roster for sure. I'm not entirely sure about Pete Dunne. Maybe if maybe on SmackDown he'd get a better chance to shine there. Gargano and Champa though, that's a tough one because obviously Gargano's contract is expiring. Champa said in the past that. He doesn't want to be on Raw or SmackDown. He wants to stay on NXT. I I worry for the two of them. And given that how much they've given to Black and Gold NXT, it's gonna be it's gonna be sad if they ended up getting phased out. Yeah, I suppose so. But from guys that have been there since day one to the pay-per-view day one, WWE day one, January 1st, 2022, we have our main event. We have Big E defending his WWE Championship against Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens added this past week after goading Seth Rollins into hitting him, getting the DQ victory over Big E. Um, what a main event to start the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a what a resurgence for Kevin Owens as well. Like, you know, when there was rumours of his contract also expiring and him cutting promos about, doesn't matter if he's here for three months or three years, you know, he's going to keep fighting. And now all of a sudden, boof, he'll turn. And now he's got a WWE title match. But the, the biggest... The most is it idiot- a turn or is it more just like tweener Kevin Owens? Because I... I think he's still cutting the same promos as before. Mm. He's just less um, jokey. He's a lot more serious. I I think it, people would see that as a heel turn in a lot of ways. You know, you know, less sort of happy-go-lucky, jokey character. But we um we've seen Kevin Owens cut promos in the past, and a lot of people can relate to what he's saying. But he delivers it in such a way that you know it's almost like he's delivering the news that you have to hear rather than the news that you want to hear. And I think yeah. that's why people have a negative reaction to some of his promos. But I, I, um, I actually like this version of Kevin Owens. You know, he'll, he'll Kevin Owens has a lot of passion, a lot of, a lot more fight behind him rather than just sort of being a, a jokey guy who is, you know, fight Owens fight as a gimmick. You know, this heel character or heelish character sort of lives the gimmick a lot better. But Seth Rollins made a massive screw up this Monday on Raw. Like, why didn't he just attack Big E? And then he'd still have the 1v1. Why would he attack KO? I don't know. All I know is, and um, I know you don't, 
your people won't let me on that wee draft show that I won last year. Um, <laughs> I'm off to an absolute bummer now with Seth Rollins. So long, mate. Continue. I appeared. He appeared a lot on Raw this week. I think he had about six individual backstage segments. Plus, he had a win over Finn Balor. So, I mean, in Saturday Draft Live points with the captaincy applied, that was a massive scoring night for Seth Rollins. Yes, it was. Um, so, um, I mean, Owens, Rollins, Biggie, we could talk for hours about the possibilities, and it's something we really want to talk about. But do you know what the people really want to hear, David? They want What's to that? hear us talk about eggs. Yes. They want I to mean, hear us talk eggs. I mean, Let's just be careful, though. I mean, we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket here. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> just get off the call. I'll get Chris back on to do this. <laughs> uh, so WWE's deal with um, Netflix to promote Red Notice in conjunction with Survivor Series. A deal, by the way, which never included The Rock appearing because they just assumed The Rock would appear as if The Rock's not at all busy. Um, they were going to have the egg result in something with the 24-7 title. It was a seven-figure deal to promote uh, that uh, Netflix paid to promote Red Notice on their show and WWE wanted to use the 24-7 title division. No wonder <laughs> The Rock and his people said absolutely not and demanded something bigger. Vince McMahon um, uh, was involved, obviously in the end, turns out Austin Theory stole the egg to get a selfie with it. He was rewarded with the WWE title match. Austin Theory now in this weird manager-mentor relationship with Vince McMahon, God knows what. Can you imagine being The Rock and having to... Like, not many people get to yell at The Rock, but imagine the president of Netflix who's paid seven figures, not not only seven figures to promote it, but all the money he's paid to have Black Adam, Deadpool and Wonder Woman in the one film to then turn around and go... What's the 24-7 title and for The Rock to be like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know what's come into my head when I first read that story? You know the um, the J. Jonah Jameson laughing meme from Spider-Man 2? And he yes. just sits there where Peter asks him, could you pay me in advance? Like, the the laugh that Jameson has and then he just goes, you serious? That's what I'm reminded of. Like, we want to put this egg in with the 24-7 title picture and then Jameson just goes... <laughs> you serious like that's that's what i'm reminded of and it's oh i mean this is a apparently on survivor series vince said it was valued at a hundred million dollars like that's something you associate with the main event scene you know the wwe title picture the universal title picture you could it was if they were going to go with uh like rock involvement somehow like give it to bloody the bloodline you know, have Roman Reigns take the golden egg because he feels like, oh, I'm the tribal chief. I can take whatever I want. And this, oh, 100 million, you say? Because remember, he did do that interaction with Vince when the egg was still in his office. But to, yeah. take, a page, to take a page out of your book, Ross, I want to do a sort of fantasy book for this. Mm-hmm. So I think drag it out until, say, maybe the Royal Rumble and then use that Royal Rumble build to WrestleMania to build the match. Assuming Rock does go along with it and he's able to compete at Mania, like, say, you have it penciled in, ready to go, I think the person that steals the egg is Naomi because she's obviously married to, I think it's Jimmy Uso, 
mm-hmm. and that way she can say she did it for the rock for roman. she did it for the, <laughs> for the rock yep <laughs> she did it for roman reigns and she did it for the bloodline because obviously she's married into it and then that changes up her character a bit it associates her with the bloodline gives her a new lease on life a new heel persona if assuming at some point down the line tony storm beat charlotte flair for the smackdown women's title naomi could take it off her and then all four of them could go into wrestlemania as champions now whatever they do with their you know title changes whatever that's wwe's call but it also sets up a plan for roman versus the rock and you think okay We've got a decent storyline out the egg. One of the characters has been changed up. We've got an addition to the faction, an addition to the faction that makes sense. And it also uh, makes it a very good whodunit type story. And I always love a good whodunit story. David, that was god-awful for the simple fact that it kept the egg thing going longer than it to. I wanted the egg thing ended by the time Vince McMahon stepped out the motor. So <laughs> it's a no for me. So I'll, I'll say that just now. But um, I guess it's just purely fantasy booking. Like, I mean, if they were going to go with it, at least try and make the most of it. No, like I, I understand people were like, you know, let's do something bigger with it. can ho- totally understand the rocks. People being like, we demand something bigger than this. Like, you know, there's 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 loyalty to a, a promotion, and then there's like, no, hold on a minute, this is millions of pounds we've spent previewing a film. Get it away from the twenty four seven title division. Mm. But um, Red Notice, as a result of that, well, not not necessarily because of this, but I think Red Notice was already on track to be the highest grossing Netflix film of all time, even before this whole golden egg nonsense that didn't go anywhere after about what two days was it yeah so but like put it this way it wouldn't have harmed it but i think it, like even before survivor series it was apparently the most watched film on netflix ever so mm. or like the most watched opening day film i watched it, it was okay rocking gal gadot are good it? ryan reynolds is quite annoying just playing playing the deadpool character plays now it's just sort of right we, we get it you're deadpool can we have something else please <laughs> i don't know i like ryan reynolds as deadpool but i suppose maybe in the context of a new film it might be a little bit weird i've, I've yet to watch oh, it still i might i might do it this weekend it's okay it's worth it's worth a watch if you get nothing else on uh, it is. <laughs> what, a, what a glowing review um so this past week on raw um We've got two references, one to AEW and one to recently released stars. So Becky Lynch um, talked about how she carries carries the, the company, how she gets paid so much, blah, blah, blah. And Liv Morgan reacted by saying, your big fat contract is the reason my friends don't work here anymore. Obviously referencing Ooh. the cuts, the budget cuts. Not a good reaction backstage from uh, what not not towards Liv Morgan just for the fact that um, just for the fact that it, you know it was using people's real life firing any any storyline promo. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if she was specific. She didn't name names or anything, but I reckon she was referring specifically to Ruby Soho and Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan, I think both Ruby and Sarah were both released during the 
was it the the Black Wednesday after WrestleMania? And I think Sarah Logan one in particular. Was one year, I think. One was released a year before. Yeah, Sarah Logan was released uh, just as the pandemic was kicking off, and then Ruby Soho was the year after. So, but this was when I think Sarah was. Uh, I think Sarah was on maternity leave by that point. Like she and Eric were were basically on the cusp of having having their son. Ruby Soho, though, was, I mean, definitely a vastly underutilized talent. At least she's getting more exposure in the TBS title tournament. But, you know, here's hoping, you know, she continues that run as a, a single star. Same with Liv. I was never a, a fan of Liv to begin with. But these past few weeks, I'm really starting to pay attention more to what she's doing. Because I've always just seen her as the, uh, dare I say it, I've always seen her as like the third wheel of the Riot Squad. But now she's finally getting a lot more attention on her. Like she was just sort of there thereabouts, but having this main event feud with Becky, this is exactly what she needs to be, you know, considered to be a, a standout solo star. Yeah, I think you need that that one big feud, and she's been on the cusp a lot of times. You know, stuff with Lana, stuff with Natalia, uh, returning into the Riot Squad with Ruby Riot, which went nowhere. But you know, I. I I don't think she's going to win the title, but I think she could really come out with this feud looking like a star. Mm-hmm. And she's got fan support behind her as well, so I, th- I reckon it'll be a matter of time before she gets to the, the Raw Women's title. So, um, let's talk a wee bit about the AEW promo and then we'll we'll go back to how WWE responded to it. So, um, MJF and Miz, eh, sorry, MJF and CM Punk had a promo segment and during this promo segment, CM Punk, who's been openly critical, he you know he got a lot of, lot of flack for on his best in the world documentary, really going in on Miz. You know he mm. he said you know when I saw the Miz main event WrestleMania, I saw that as a slap in the face. Blah blah blah. You know Miz is seen as a guy within the company who's done everything to get where he is. He's worked harder. You know Edge. I, I liked Edge's promo this week on Raw because it's too often I think Miz gets looked down on. Edge mm-hmm. praised him, but then went in on him. I think, you know, usually it's just like, oh God, you're the Miz. Like, yeah, and he's been here like 20 years and won everything. So, you know, but mm-hmm. um, CM Punk referred to MGF as a less famous Miz, which got an oh chant. Um, it was then Edge this week on Raw. So, just first off, what do you think about um, CM Punk, who does have a history with ragging a bit on the Miz, mm. mentioning him on uh, AEW this past week? Yeah, I remember I watched his Best in the World documentary when his when it came out, and there was a lot of Miz bashing, shall we say? Like I could tell that CM Punk didn't t- didn't take too kindly to the way Miz sort of went up the ranks. You know, I mean. Th- Credit where credit's due, you know, the Miz, you know, proved a lot of people wrong and he worked his way up towards the WWE title. I think the frustration is somewhat justified given that, you know, you know, Punk was leading the new Nexus at the time and they could have, you know, done some faction warfare with the core and whatnot. But I think the problem was is that a lot of people didn't agree with Miz being the main event. Maybe because I don't know if it was uh, or the main event of WrestleMania, no less. Uh, it, I mean, it was a little bit weird seeing him in that position, especially against you know the, the company's golden boy at the time, John Cena. It, 
I mean, if I was punk in that position I, and I would consider myself the best of best in the world, I would be clamoring for that main event at WrestleMania spot. I mean, he did get the title match the following year as as the champion, but he then got brushed aside in favor of Cena and The Rock, not once but twice. So it's um it is a tricky one and I think maybe Miz got a lot more attention put on him maybe than Punk thought he he did. Uh, I think Punk's just a little bit sour that he just didn't get the chance to main event WrestleMania because he certainly would have, you know, won a lot of people over, you know, with if he was included in WrestleMania 29. I'll, I'll fight to the hilt that he shouldn't have been in the main event 28 or 29. But you know that's for another show on yeah. another day. Hey, listen, twenty eight. Um, you can keep. You can keep twenty eight. You can keep Rock versus Cena once in a lifetime. The fact that they repeat it the following year, make it twice in a lifetime, it just completely killed the once in a life. The whole once in a lifetime thing. It was a massive lie. You know what? It was always going to be like that. As if WWE don't do rematches, people. Come on. I can get over it. It was 10 years ago. Anyway, and well, that's what I, I personally thought when I seen the back to the, the back to the subject at hand. It's personally what I thought when I saw it beforehand. It was the get over it. Get like get it was 10 years ago that you were overlooked for a WrestleMania main event. And we, we talked about how um Punk coming back has been in his sort of as, as ironically, his rock WrestleMania 27 comeback of, hey, I'm punk, I'm still here. Remember, I did that thing you liked? He's starting to turn into a bit of Bret Hart here with the bitter old man gimmick. They didn't fucking put me over, man. <laughs> um, I mean, which is M- then. MJF called him up. For somebody that's so straight edge, he does look a hell of a lot like a meth addict. Exactly. Well, this past week on Raw, when Edge was giving Miz credit, uh, great to see Maurice back, by the way. Oh yeah, um, the it couple. <laughs> Miz and I did like the Miz and Misses on the back of their shirts as well. Hey, listen, listen, um, I love I love watching Miz, Miz and Misses. It's actually really, really entertaining. He he made reference. He said, "You're so over that you was it your exact quote? Not you're so over. I'm just going to get the exact quote. But essentially, it was." You've got other people using your name to get a pop on another television show. You live in people's head rent free, and you know it. <laughs> yeah, I like how they added the the you know it as well in reference to to MJF too. But you're right about him building up in the promo as well because there was um he he did say you proved everybody wrong. You star in you know Hollywood movies. You've got a mansion in the hills. You've got a beautiful family. Like. Almost everything that uh, a hard-working man could ever want out of life. And he's basically ticked all the boxes with it. And he's got a third season of Miz and Mrs. currently in the works, works as well. It's um, It was an oddly underrated promo. Like, not just from the Mrs. part, but especially Edge's as well. And that, I think that's that veteran instinct to kick in. He knows how to, you know, build up a heel, you know, and just so he can push them further off the cliff, you know, bring them back down to earth. Yeah, and then, and what wasn't liked and what was referenced, uh, he said, he was talking about The Miz returning to Raw for the first time since Dancing with the Stars. He said, you use this to get notoriety for your next endeavour, your next reality show, your next dance competition, while you leave your partner high and dry to get fired. Mm. I think that's a bit unfair. They were clearly broken up at that time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, 
Because because literally, literally the last time Miz was on Raw before he went to Dancing with the Stars, he turns on John Morrison and beats him down, and that's the last time we saw of him. Exactly. So, but yeah, I think that one was a bit of a cheap shot. I think you know, I I I doubt fewer people would have been upset to see John Morrison leave the company than the Miz. So you know, it is a bit of a bit of a cheap shot, bit of a one I wouldn't have liked, but. Uh, Edge probably does have the power to say, look, I'm not saying that, I'm going out to say this. Mm-hmm. So it could have been Edge, it could have been the WWE script writers, who knows, but it's, it's uh, Becky's one was more to make her look like the bad guy because she is still getting face reactions. I think that was a cheap one, the John Morrison one, personally. Mm. Yeah, I think the the reference to MJF and AEW, where I think was probably the would probably have been fine. The the reference to Morrison, though, I think that was a step too far. Yeah. Like, and I can see why people would be uncomfortable with it because you know people don't really openly mention you know about the releases and stuff, except unless it's probably CM Punk himself interacting with John Laurinaitis. Because remember during the I think it was the SummerSlam contract signing yeah. in 2011 he was like uh did you personally fire vladimir kozlov on friday did you phone chris masters and say hey kid it's just a budget thing best of luck in your future endeavors you know it's that's kind of um that's that was the sort of similarity i was seeing there but it was toned much toned further down yeah and i think as well like it was toned down but then what took that too far was the the t-shirt that WWE brought out, which was best of luck in your future endeavours, which I thought was a bit... <laughs> cheap cheap heat, yeah. Cheap yeah, heat, a bit cheap heat. But anyway, let's, let's move away from that. Uh, let's go over to Japan. Uh, Scott and Grant will get more into this on their latest episode of East Meets West, uh, our New Japan-specific podcast. But there was talk of Japan closing borders, and it would be a worry for some for Wrestle Kingdom. However, New Japan have confirmed that Will Osprey and others will be there. They've managed to they've managed to get them cleared and get them on the card. Um, the world of COVID, as it is, and things like New Japan, who aren't independent but do have a lot of freelance wrestlers. These people are going to be a lot more affected than, say, a WWE who has its roster together, you know, a set amount of days a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, a bit of a weird one, given that, you know, Japan's been quite strict with in the response to this whole Omicron variant and stuff. But the, the issue is, it's just no, like, not all the information's available about it. So nobody's taking any chances. And quite rightly so. Like, you know, shut the... Reduce travel to the absolute essential and, you know, make sure everybody's doing the whole vaccine passports, etc. and stuff, which people should probably be doing by now. Let's be brutally honest here, because vaccines are not going to hurt you. They're not going to give you autism, despite what, you know, like Jeff on Facebook says, you know, listen to your doctor, listen to the government scientists. They're they're the ones with all the information, not not your your neighbor's cat on Facebook or whatever. Just stick to mainstream news don't get caught up in social media but back to new japan it's um i think it's quite good you know they've able to sort of have a work way around it because you know what would wrestle kingdom be you know without 
you know, guys like Will Ospreay and other, you know, imports that, you know, sort of add a little something extra to the the Japanese talent themselves. Like, because you get guys like Ibushi, Okada, and, you know, uh, sorry, my mind just went blank. That's all the only two names that came in my head there. But um, It's all right. Don't pretend you know them. This is for nerds like Scott and Grant. <laughs> this, this, this nerdy wrestling. No, 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 no. We'll move on from this. No, no, but it is good that, um, that Wrestle Kingdom won't be affected and that New Japan has managed to get its big stars in for it and hopefully yeah. the show will go off at a hitch and this sort of, because you are wanting things to go back to normal. It's almost like for Mania 36 when Drew was brought back from the UK almost instantaneously because they had to, you know, at least save the WrestleMania main event because he was touring the UK to promote WrestleMania with BT Sport. But then they had yeah. to, as soon as lockdown started to sink in, they basically had to get him on a plane right back to the US. It was, it was pretty pretty panicky but i think that's maybe that's what they're doing here with wrestle kingdom is making sure that they've got the necessary talent so that wrestle kingdom can go ahead yeah no absolutely and it's um and there's not much more i can say about it i don't really know that much about this year's wrestle kingdom card scott and grant i love your your new japan fill for you i'm not going to pretend to know here um just a quick bit of news uh randy orton and natalia both recognised by the Guinness World Book of Records. Um, mm. Randy Orton, as we mentioned before, was about to break the WWE pay-per-view appearance record, which sat at 176, which held by Kane. Uh, he matched that with his last pay-per-view appearance and now has broken it with a Survivor Series pay-per-view appearance. Uh, and Natalia has the most WWE pay-per-view appearances of any female with 68 following her traditional 5-on-5 Survivor Series elimina- elimination match, I should say. Um, well done to both Natalia and Randy Orton. Nice to... It's always nice when a wee record's broken. It's quite, it's mm. quite cool. I think Natalia was also recognised for something else. I think she's... She the has most wins of the any... most wins of a female competitor in WWE with over 500, I believe. Yeah. Or, yeah. or is it 500 on the dot? I, I don't know. She's been, she's been around a long time. I, I, I have yeah. a feeling a lot of them were on superstars. Yeah, she's been with WWE for 13 years now. She debuted yeah. in, I think, mid-2008 when they introduced the Divas title originally. And then 2009, she, was, she formed the Hart Foundation with Harry Smith and TJ. So it's yeah, she's been she's been here for a long, long time, considering, yeah. you know, how much shite they've shoveled her with essentially, you know, the the farting gimmick, the relationship with Hornswoggle and Kali. Like she's she's gone through a lot, but she's always been a consistent performer in the ring. And I think, you know, she deserves to be recognized for this. Just like Randy Orton should be, you know, he's been there for nearly twenty years and now he's got the most pay per view appearances of all time. And he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon either. No, he does not. Um, Nia Jax, who's re- recently released by WWE earlier this month, has announced a new in-ring name. Lena Fanani or Fanin? Lena Lena Fanin, which is actually her real name. Shortened version of her real name, which is Slavina Regina Falange will be debuting after. No, there's rumours that she may not wrestle again through choice, but 
if she does return to wrestling, which she said will not be right away, that will be her new in-ring name. So, mm. best of luck to Nia Jax whenever she returns to the ring. Hopefully, she does not kill anyone. Uh, well, Booker T has actually said on his Hall of Fame podcast that, you know, sometimes when an opportunity comes and then you see what numbers are behind that opportunity, you say, I try this. And it turns to be a career for a short period of time. Then he then goes on to say, but who's to say Nia Jax doesn't want to do something else, like have a family, have a regular life, and be able to breathe for a moment. Like, maybe that's the, the stage she's at. Because remember before she was let go, she said on her Instagram that, or on Twitter that she was dealing with a mental health break. Like, maybe everything just sort of got caught up to her. And, you know, she'd split from Shayna Baszler. There was that... Um, that almost shoot scrap with Charlotte Flair uh, whilst they were having a match. So there was, she was involved in a lot and then obviously written off by Shayna herself. It's, um, I mean, it's a bit of a, bit of a whimper to end your WWE tenure on, but I suppose it's a way of writing somebody off, I guess. But I mean, I, I just hope, you know, she's doing okay and, you know, take however long she needs. If she wants to, you know, enjoy the spoils of her hard work over the last seven years, you know, be able to enjoy herself and do what she wants. That's all that really matters. And I know we sort of give her shtick for yeah. being a bit of a, a botch machine and the... the, the dirt. Hey, this was meant to be a quick thing. Hi. <laughs> the dirt she's told her This was meant to be quick that. news and you went, you've spoke more about this than you have about anything else. Hi, I know. This I know. and the Randy Orton one were quick stories but I just do these things while I'm setting up the next story. Good God. I'm going to cut <laughs> you off there. Okay, Good luck okay. now, Jax, whenever you come back. Have fun. Anyway, AEW <laughs> President Tony Khan has hit back at fan criticism of Adam Cole's booking in AEW. Uh, on Monday, a fan on Twitter disputed the notion that Cole uh, Cole has regressed in AEW and uh, who would have been better utilised in WWE. Another person chimed in with his views, arguing that Cole is a top guy who just faces other top guys and argued that Khan couldn't have done a better job of featuring one of his newest stars. Khan noticed the back and forth conversation and mentioned how Cole has, and I quote, many more young fans watching him than AEW than he did on Tuesdays, referencing Cole's stint in NXT. Khan tweeted, it's false equivalence, Will. They tried to move the line with ridiculous points, points aiming to dispute the credibility of something credible. Adam Cole is over AF. Uh, he's pushed and he has many more young fans watching him than they did on Tuesday. Would we argue if they said water wasn't wet? Um, piss off, Tony. Um, uh, give it a rest. Like He's Adam- over because of NXT. He's over because, he, like CM Punk, he's, at, he's that person. He's not over because of anything that AEW have done, it's because of what he was doing before NXT and what he did in NXT. That's why the fans know him. Mm-hmm. And the, he has many more fans watching him than he did on Tuesdays. Well, not this Tuesday, considering you put him on dark. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I think... I don't think he's I, been badly booked. I don't think he's been... Um, I don't think he's been, you know... He's undefeated in singles action since signing, but he's not mm-hmm. been booked better than he was in NXT. He's not been booked better than he was in the Undisputed Era. And this is the problem with AEW signing so many top guys that you become top heavy, that people then, even though they're top guys, they fall down into feuds with the Jurassic Express, who 
I quite like. I like the Jurassic Express, but they're not at the level Adam Cole was when he left NXT. That that's mm-hmm. my thing here. Yeah, listen. Um, but then again, it's anything for Tony Khan to have a pop at WWE. I like. I remember Gary asked about this in the chat, and I responded to him by saying, "It does not matter a jot how Adam Cole is booked in." AEW because he will always have that passionate fan base that follows him and don't look at you know how many fans it is just think about how much passion the fans have and how much people enjoy doing what he does like sure the NXT crowd was smaller to an extent but that didn't change the the, the pop that he got you know he was the number one guy in NXT because he did that all on his own and he was booked in a position where he was primed to be the next big thing but Obviously, WWE shot themselves in the foot, and now Tony Khan went and did a panic buy because he had that all momentum that he earned whilst under Triple H's tutelage, and that is a th- that is what WWE can be credited for. So don't blame thro- chucking Adam Cole in with a bigger pool of top guys because, sure, it's going to make him difficult to be seen compared to all these other guys, but that doesn't make him any less of a top guy, and he's getting exposure everywhere on AEW's programming. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. Um... And I, I mentioned earlier on with the um, NXT, with the the change to the sort of third brand where people stick around, it was quite weird not to see Adam Cole in the main event title picture. Mm-hmm. Just like it was weird not seeing other people like Gargano and Champa in the main event title picture. So it was always, it, it, it's always going to be top heavy wherever you go when you start making stars. But I, I, don't think he's been booked as well as he was in NXT, but to the same point, he's only been in AEW since September. So, you know, it's not it's not as if it's the end of the world and it's been a year and he's not done anything. And but at the same time, it's not as if he came in and in three months he's you know set the world on fire. He's been sort of a background character or a a. It's ironic because he was in the Undisputed Era, but he's been a stable guy. Whereas before mm. the Undisputed Era, he was the clear front man. He was the he was the guy at the front of it. It was Adam Cole and mm. friends. And later on, they became, you know, when Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong got over with the uh, WWE Universe, it became more rounded and it became the Undisputed Era as the group. But let's not mm. make any bones about it. To start with, it was Adam Cole and friends. <laughs> Fucking hell. No, no, Adam yeah. Cole and friends. <laughs> yeah, you're right enough. Yeah, he was always, you know, he always stood out as the solo competitor. You know, he had the most one-on-one matches, but he always had that association with Undisputed Era, you know, with the armband, etc. So you knew he was a stable guy, but at the same time, he he acted as if he was a a top singles guy as well. Yeah, I was like, Miss Moe says, like there on The Simpsons, choking on my own rage here. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of AEW, uh, Big Swole has announced on Twitter she's decided not to renew her contract. Um, she called the decision one of the hardest ones, but needed it. She also said she enjoyed her time with AEW and wished them nothing but the best. In a statement she put, over the past couple of months, my life is taking on the mantra grow, learn, learn and change. Sorry, the mantra Grow, learn and change, she said. Dealing with shadow work took strength. I didn't know I had. I thank God for my loving family because they got they got me through some of the roughest months of my life. But I realised the real test is application. So I took my leap and after speaking with TK and AEW higher officials, we decided not to renew my contract with All Elite Wrestling. This was the hardest decision, but I needed one. 
I am grateful for their understanding and that we can mutually come to this agreement. I've enjoyed my time with AEW and wish them all the best. I appreciate their love and welcoming me into their family. Today is my last day and as bittersweet as it is, I am proud to say I've lived my dreams while making a difference. That is the swole mentality. So, looks like she's taking a break um, from wrestling. No plans on anything for the future at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, hey. Uh, best of luck to Big Swole and hopefully hopefully anything she's dealing with she can get through Aye, fingers crossed and uh, I, I think you know if she stayed on I think she could have been one of AEW's fastest rising female talents you know she's I think I saw her in the early days of Dynamite you know compete and I thought she could be going places but you know it's a shame that she's uh, she's left but if it's for her own good then you know all the best to her yeah, absolutely. Um, May Young returns to WWE, uh, sorry, NXT TV under the name Wendy Chu, hmm. former leader of Tian Sha. You know, Xylees went up, but um, is it Boa? Yep, Boa. Boa is still there, so looks like they're going to be a, not a couple, but like a, a team, a package team while Xylee goes on to SmackDown. Uh, nice to see her back. It was it was a weird character. I wanted to see more happen with it. Yeah, but uh, it, it just looks like they're going to just have her as the sort of spooky, spooky gimmick. It was a, it was a shame, really, because I think this gimmick had a lot of potential, given that it, you know it repackaged Zia Lee as this much more focused competitor, and it had been good to you know sort of see the evolution of Mei Ying in NXT. You know if she was going to compete more often, like before. Mercedes Martinez got released. I think they had a a bit of an interaction between those two, but then obviously Mercedes gets released afterwards, and then the the gimmick just sort of you know disappeared. Given the transition to two point it's uh, I think it's just one of those unresolved gimmick storylines that definitely had legs, but it got cut out when you know the the rainbow paint and the new the new setup came in. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's a weird one, but um, uh, we'll go on to from NXT 2.0 to the the father of NXT, Triple H. Uh, Dave Meltzer recently talked about the severity of Triple H's recent cardiac event. Uh, apparently, it was a very, very serious event and not as mild as first reported. Uh, uh, Triple H has reported not resumed his daily duties for the company. It remains to be seen when he will be back or if he will be back full time. Uh, it will be expected back in the company at some form at some point, but there's been no confirmed date or confirmation that he will return to the same exact high-stress job that he had before. Um, in an interview with TalkSport, Stephanie McMahon did say Triple H is doing very well, thank you for asking. Uh, it was reported back on September 17th, a few weeks after surgery, that everything was quiet within WWE on Triple H's condition, but he was good enough to be taking phone calls. WWE told Talent they could call the game to wish him well, but were not to talk any business. Uh, Triple H then issued a statement on the 21st of September, where he said he's been recovering and going well and was grateful for the support. Uh, he, he was grateful to the NXT talent and crew, including Shawn Michaels, who's since stepped in and is Vice President of Talent Development now. Uh, mm. Triple H has missed all of the NXT 2.0 ta- tapings, including the big reboot, and there's no word if he's had any remote involvement 
or if he will be back in NXT at all. So clearly, clearly a very serious cardiac event that's been taken day by day. Mm. And there's nothing we really can do other than speculate, but hopefully, hopefully Triple H will be back in some capacity soon because his, his NXT was sensational. You know, what he built, some of the stars he built, even some of the matches he's had in recent years, you know, there's still plenty of matches in Triple H and hopefully one day he can get back in the ring. Uh, I'm not sure about him getting back in the ring, but I absolutely appreciate everything he did for Black and Gold NXT. Like, the reason it became so successful was because of him. Uh, And I get what you mean about, you know, the high-stress job of, you know, being vice president of talent and live events and stuff. It, It does take its toll and... If he's not able to carry on, it'd be a real shame, you know, if he if he wouldn't be able to continue what he enjoys doing just because of, you know, this whole medical event. But yeah, I think all I can really say is just wish him a, a continued recovery. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um I think, as you said, in the ring might be doubtful, but hopefully hopefully we get him back. You know, he's the savior we all wish we had. He's like, it's like when Batman left Gotham City. <laughs> we're just, he comes, he comes back. You know, the, we're wishing for him back. <laughs> it's like you know that meme where the guy walks in with the, the the pizza boxes and he just looks around. The place is on fire, and you've got NXT's painted all this weird colors. You've got these people you don't even know who they is, and he's just standing there like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then. You, you, and then wishful booking, he turns it back to black and gold. You know, rewinds time up to about six months ago, back when NXT was at its peak. <laughs> um, John Morrison's recently actually reacted to the the comments of a uh, of Edge we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Morrison tweeted out, "Hey Edge, high and dry. Hashtag Johnny Drip Drip is never not wet. Oh good lord. Oh, Hashtag the flood stud." <laughs> Hashtag America's Moist Wanted. By the way, when you jump into Mike the Miz's water, prepared, be prepared for a slaughter. So, John Morrison uh, clearly still back in the Miz. <laughs> I, despite getting his ass handed to him before Miz went dancing with stars. But I'm not sure about... Well, Johnny Drip Drip makes sense, but I hate, I hate the word moist. Like, moist. I don't know about I don't know about you. It's just a such a weird word. It's like a what are those? What's the word? Is onomatopoeia the word that sounds like you say it? Yes. Yeah, that it's just like wait. What was the other one? Flood stud. The flood stud. That's oh I don't know. That's like something Vince would come up with. Um, Young Rock. Have you watched Young Rock yet? No. No, oh well, never mind. Uh, no, we'll just get down to Young Rock season two. Um, season one apparently featured Randy Savage and um, Vince McMahon. PW Insiders reported the second season will feature The Rock's rookie year in WWE and will include Triple H and The Undertaker uh, as characters. Mm. Uh, Casting is reported under, underway for Triple H and The Undertaker as well as for fellow WWE wrestlers downtown Bruno Lawler, better known to fans as Harvey Whippleman, and the Brooklyn Brawler. Um, there's also plans for a Memphis wrestling-themed episode, which would feature 
Bill Dundee, Jerry Lawler, Tommy Rich, and a young Bam Bam Bigelow. Jeez, oh. I mean, who would you cast to play those roles? I don't know. That, that This is your sort of thing you need to get David Campbell on for. David Campbell, when I came prepared with a list for every oh, single person. Here. Do you know who actually might, who might be, well, actually, no, he's quite, this guy, I was going to say, um, I had an idea for who could be cast as Triple H, but no, he's kind of like older Triple H in that instance, because I was going to say Ron Perlman, but he's like 70, so that'd be like casting Triple H in 20 years or something. In 20, 20 years from now, Triple H yeah. is 50. I know, yeah, exactly. Um, I think who could be a young Undertaker? Uh, Keanu Reeves, maybe. A young Undertaker, Keanu Reeves is in his fifties. Uh, yeah, good point. Yeah, he, that's the thing. Keanu Reeves hasn't aged. That's why you think he looks younger. It's like it's Keanu Paul Reeves Rund- has aged. Who says Keanu? Keanu Reeves looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we stop this? Can we stop this thing where we all love Keanu Reeves and pretend he hasn't aged? <laughs> he clearly has. He looks homeless. It's the it's the Paul Rudd argument all over again. It's not Paul Rudd hasn't aged. Look, type in, t- get on your you're on your computer now, and you listening, you. <laughs> I am talking to you. Google point break Keanu Reeves and then put Keanu Reeves John Wick three and tell me that that fucker hasn't aged. <laughs> oh that's brilliant um honestly no, no names are coming to mind like who could you cast that's like you know a big person with long hair and has a bit of a goatee about him i don't know like yeah obviously you can easily just add wigs and stuff like that but um you know for a fact i'm gonna i'm going to the pub to watch the rangers game after this i'm gonna be sitting watching the rangers game and just blot out a, a random celebrity that i know could play the, the undertaker <laughs> kind of like um, I don't know oh this is going to annoy me Robert yes uh, or uh, I don't know you might have to venture into the MCU a bit maybe get one of those guys to cast I think the guys are on a bit too much money to be jumping down to CBS Sorry, I, I think Netflix knows I was talking about it. I was looking on, I opened the Netflix homepage there to look, <laughs> for, uh, to look for people who could play people and Constantine starring uh, Keanu Reeves just popped up. Guys, <laughs> we've probably heard we're talking about Keanu Reeves for a second. Oh, do you know, do you know who'd be amazing and oh, what literally is anything? John Berthenol. John As... Berthenol could play The Undertaker. Give him oh. a wig. John Berthenol. Punisher. Oh, yeah. Punisher. Pun- Actually, yeah, that would work. That's a good shout. But then again, he's, he's, like, but then he's like 45, though. So uh, is it is it like, young? I mean, I mean, I, I got annoyed that he said yeah, he should never age. But I mean, Undertaker. <laughs> Undertaker was born 46 and grew in it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I'm trying to think. See the, I've, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the Umbrella Academy, but Diego looks like a wrestler to me. He he just has a wrestler look about him. Um, he to me should be playing someone on the Young Rock. Mm. I, I'm just trying to think who would be a good Triple H, a young Triple H, because all all you have to do really is just find somebody with a big nose, and that's you. <laughs> Jesus Christ, a bit harsh. <laughs> Oh come on! There's like he's, he's been roasted for it for so long. Like um, 
pretty sure Jeff Ross did a roast about it as well. It was like, um, oh, Triple H's nose is so big he could win a Royal Rumble match by sneezing. <laughs> I quite like that. That's a good bit to move on. Uh, no, but still, Keanu Reeves looks fucking terrible now. Anyway, <laughs> should we move on to, to Campbell's question? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm just seeing if I'm not. Oh, there we are. The Young Bucks have signed a new deal with AEW, much to the surprise of nobody. Ali and Kofi Kingston are currently on paternity leave, hence why they haven't been used on on TV. Rampage recently recorded a record low rating. Go home show for Survivor Series going up against it. I don't really don't really see that as a problem. Plus, you know. It was going to take a dip sooner or later because it was the new show. You know what I mean? Some t- sometimes uh, things just stop being the new thing. It's AEW's velocity, essentially. No, that's dark. You know, I I do like Rampage. I think it's good. I think it's just a case of, pardon me, that eventually things stop being new and fresh and something else comes along that catches people's attention. We are basically just all magpies and the new shiny, shiny <laughs> thing comes along. Yeah, that's right. it, really. You know, we have feature shows here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. This past week's feature show was supposed to be uh, A History of the New Day, hosted by yourself, I believe, David Hockney. Yeah, but that's uh, because Stephen Wilson is a dafty and got his uh, show schedule mixed up. Uh, it's been moved to this coming uh, this coming week. And the December to Dismember show, which in fairness to Stephen, he did point out when he released it by mistake. Um, December to December being released in November just goes to show everything that was wrong with that pay-per-view, which I can't really argue. <laughs> I, I could quite enjoy that. Yeah, that's, re- a good way, that's a good way of putting it. Um, so, David Campbell has put our very own Stephen Wilson fucked up by releasing their own feature show. So my question this week is, what's the worst mistake in wrestling history? Um, so let's just have a wee look at some of the answers. Plenty of answers. Oh, good lord! Yeah, this is like our Steve most Wilson. this is like our most interactive ghost goats question that we've had so far. Forty responses. Yeah. Stephen Campbell said clearly asking David Campbell. Sorry, clearly agreeing to David Campbell asking a public question every week uh, was a mistake. David Campbell then asked, "Could you bring a real answer, please?" And he said, "Bringing David Campbell onto the podcast." Bringing David Campbell as a host of STL, he went, but the Mankind on Nitro, has been mentioned, has to be right up there. Also allowing Over the Edge to finish in 1999 following the death of Owen Hart. Uh, David Kinnear said, WWE announcing Mankind was going to win the WWF title on Raw, backfired horrendously. Uh, Callum Bennett said, ECW December to Dismember. But seriously, Monty Brown never winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, this was during Jeff Jarrett's reign of terror. Um, it's a massive. End, he said, "He said it's a crime." I'm a massive NWA fan, me. But come on, he was money. Love Double J, but Monty Brown was money. Uh, Chris Murray said, <laughs> "Hope trying to get a reaction out of Callum Bennett." Put. How about Tess not winning the Elimination Chamber at December to Dismember? And he responded, "I will fight you for real." <laughs> um, Anthony Fitzpatrick has said the main ones have already been mentioned but another one is WWE WCW sorry putting the belt on Arquette and Russo mm-hmm. uh, Arquette I can see the point because it was promo and Arquette was against it so I kind of give that one a free pass now that I know the backstory of it 
and I've seen You Cannot Kill Arquette, by the way, great watch if you haven't seen it. Vince Russo, though, he genuinely thought that was a good idea. Yeah, um, bro. John, Isherwood, <laughs> John Isherwood said, two, suge- two to suggest both booking decisions, although the Foley Nitro announcement is also up there. He said, the first invasion, invasion was proper botched, and also the next, the Nexus, I should say. Oh, the Nexus booking was horrendously done. He has, John Isherwood then expanded on it. He said, among many other decisions, both could have been handled so much better. The invasion started real bad. The failed WCW launch on Raw. And then the Nexus, well, there was so, so much they got wrong. I thought that was the thing I'd seen in years. And they blew it in record time. Yeah, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't argue with that. Yep. Uh, Ryan Dalgleish has said, Cena not turning heel against Wyatt at Mania. Mm, underrated that one. Jack Graham says, one one that took me a while to think of and the worst mistake in wrestling history is having Brock break the Undertaker's streak. Lesnar didn't need to beat Brock. Sorry, Lesnar didn't need to beat Taker and it added no value to Lesnar either. I, I disagree. I think it made every time... It, it's got a bit stale now. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad Brock has many of this year because I think now, now whenever Brock gets beat, it feels like an event, whereas beforehand it didn't. And it all started from that Undertaker streak winning. But put it this way, that night I was not happy. So I will, I will agree with Jack Campbell. Uh, yep. Jack. <laughs> Daniel Campbell, I should say, said, letting over the edge 99 continue. Um, Chris Murray said, this post needs more Hulk Hogan. <laughs> um, not, booking Brett, you know, not booking Brett over Hogan at Mania 9 or King of the Ring. They could have worked out the backstory. Uh, and not booking Mr. Perfect to win the second Rumble over Hogan. Uh, Callum Bennett said Hogan not winning the AWA actually killed the AWA. Um, you've got some here as well. I'm going to get your mm-hmm. uh, your thoughts on them as well. But first, uh, we've got Grant McRobbie saying William Regal not shouting war games before war games this year. Of course. <laughs> um, Ross Cummings said Sid's promo about having half the brain that you do in WCW. Cali winning the title in WWE and David oh, Arquette Jesus. winning the title in WCW. All great shouts. Um, G- Gary Kernahan said, not the worst, but certainly a shout. Kurt Angle's retirement match against Baron Corbin. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So, David, you've put... I'm quite surprised at this one because I've always thought you were a big fan of Jinder Mahal. You <laughs> think otherwise. But you've said putting the WWE title on Jinder Mahal... Yep. Literally one of the stupidest things WWE's ever done just because they wanted to it was a it was a business experiment that went horribly wrong and now the legacy of the WWE title's been tainted with this with this entry. Yeah, I, I can't like I think, you know, we did on the second anniversary a debating chamber uh, show mm-hmm. that came out of hand. Um but I think the 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 writing that this was a failure was the fact that Jinder was being advertised as a two-time WWE champion. Which he wasn't. On the marquee, which I think people thought was going to mean that he was going to win it on one of the shows. There was going to be two nights of shows and the ticket sales sold that poorly that they moved both shows into one night. Still wasn't a, t- a sellout. He was removed from the WWE title match and then he fought Triple H who was cheered and Jinder was booed, Triple H won, and the crowd cheered it. 
So I think that just goes to show you how failed it went. When yep. I went back to India, India could not give a shit. So <laughs> not uh, you've also put not capitalising on the summer of punk too. Uh, not to mention he should have main evented WrestleMania 29 once in a lifetime. So, so subsequently, easy for me to say, <laughs> being a massive lie. Um, I, as a businessman, I think Vince McMahon got it right putting once in a lifetime part two <laughs> out there for the simple fact that what happens when you break a WrestleMania record and The Rock is now becoming the biggest movie star in the world? You put a WWE title in the match and you do it again. And it might not be remembered as a, you know, seven star Tokyo Dome classic, but it basically earned WWE a bucket load of money. Mm. And that's all they're interested in. But here's the other thing. But here's the other thing. CM Punk was the biggest heel on the roster by a country mile. Like some of his promo work was on the verge of being very uncomfortable like we just look what he did with the undertaker especially when paul bearer had just passed away like some of that stuff was very very uneasy to watch if he had brought that kind of heat level to the main event of wrestlemania people are going to be watching it regardless of whether or not you know rock goes in as wwe champion like cena can still win cena still wins that's fine but for crying out loud put cm punk in there for a little bit of dynamic i think we as wrestling fans get get caught in the bubble and put it this way we were talking about we, we've talked before about wrestlers who have crossed into the mainstream and who are the most who are the biggest wrestlers to those that are like mainstream viewers they don't watch wrestling but they know wrestlers and someone mentioned Kenny Omega Kenny Omega's had a sensational year Kenny Omega's had a, had a sensational like at least past five years Mm-hmm. But no one in daily life knows who Kenny Omega. No one in casual fans knows who. Doesn't mean Kenny Omega isn't good. Just like it doesn't mean that CM Punk wasn't good or CM Punk wouldn't have brought something to the main event. But you're not selling WrestleMania to the casual fan or bringing someone back in with CM Punk. I'm sorry. It's. I think we get caught in the bubble too much, and that's that's always my argument to it. So. I uh, but look um, what we did look what we did in the last couple of years. He put WWE on the map with the pipe bomb promo. Like he was getting interviews, he was getting TV appearances. He was he, getting interviews, but look, Dave, by this point, it, not that WWE hadn't capitalized, it it footled out a wee bit. It, look, we'll, we'll get into this another time. I'm going to, you know, because mm-hmm. I've read everybody's opinion, so now it's time for some facts. It's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I've put I've put a WrestleMania theme. Uh, for my biggest wrestling mistakes, mm-hmm. I've put Iraq versus America, WrestleMania 7, uh, a DQ finish to WrestleMania 8, Chris Murray is obviously already mentioned WrestleMania 9, Triple H retaining at WrestleMania 16, uh, when The Rock was the most over thing in the world, mm-hmm. uh, The Rock and Hogan not main eventing WrestleMania 18, mm-hmm. uh, Booker's burial at WrestleMania 19. Oh, that was, uh, that was a disgrace. Triple H and Orton at WrestleMania 25, the build to that was so personal, so brutal, so bloody, and then they made it a straight-up WrestleMania match, and oh, Triple H gets disqualified, he loses the title. It should have been a should have been a no-DQ match or a Falls Count Anywhere or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bret Hart, he just wrestling at WrestleMania 26. Um, he, he had had a stroke, he had multiple health problems, he wasn't Bret Hart of 97. 
and he shouldn't have been anywhere near a wrestling ring, especially not a singles match. You could have maybe had it with a tag match, but he should have been nowhere near, nowhere near a wrestling ring as a singles competitor. Uh, Mark Henry defeating Ryback at WrestleMania 29. Uh, Ryback was riding a wave of mo- wave of momentum, whereas Henry was on his way out of the company at this point. So, t- to me, Ryback should have won. They did that whole stupid Ryback knocks himself out finish, and then Henry pins him, and <laughs> it, was, it was just stupid, idiotic. Um, and then, as Callum Bennett mentioned, the lack of Cena heel turn at WrestleMania 30. And I've, I've left it for the first 30 editions of WrestleMania because Central's only about 90 minutes and we're coming up on that 90 minutes, <laughs> Dave. So yeah. just quickly, of the ones people have mentioned, what what one do you think What one do you think has a shout, other than your own, uh-huh. for, biggest res- for biggest mistake in wrestling? Oh, I think it's got to be... Uh, WCW announcing Mankind was winning the WWF title because I think that was the true turning point of the Monday Night Wars. That's what put WCW dead in the water. And I think the following year they were basically going into liquidation. So I think if they hadn't done that, people wouldn't have changed the channel to watch Mankind win the title, even though the result was essentially spoiled. And yeah, I think that was the final nail on the coffin for WCW. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there. Um, by the way, seeing as I agreed with you so quickly, and we've got five minutes left, mm-hmm. something just popped up in my Netflix, and I have uh, two two castings for Young Rock Season 2 and Season 3. Okay? okay. Season 3, The Big Show, should be played by Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting one. And I'm looking at him just now. He's got the blonde hair, the blue eyes. He'll need a wig and he'll need to, he'll need to buff up a bit. But Neil Patrick Harris is Triple H. I reckon that man could pull it mm. off. See, I was going to say Chris Hemsworth, but then I re- remembered he's getting he's being cast as Hulk Hogan in a, a biopic, I believe. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, I think... I think Neil Patrick Harris can pull off just about anything. So to me, I'm going to go Neil Patrick Harris as Triple H. He's my he's my pick. I'm throwing everything behind him. People didn't think Michael Keaton could do Batman, and he proved them wrong. Triple H will be played by a man wearing a suit, and it will be awesome. Now, if you want to check out more of our back catalogue, including our... ECW December to Dismember review released in November. Uh, you can find us on <laughs> Easley's Reflection Tweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, including the conversation we just had, well, you can find that on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community page on Facebook. And if you want to get involved with this anywhere else, if you want to send any abuse, courtesy of at Stephen Wilson <laughs> 1192. Well, you can also find us at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we are there. Thank you very much, David Hockney, for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. I'll be back next week. I believe Scott is my co-host. I could be completely wrong, in which case don't listen to this beforehand. Uh, but I look forward to seeing you next week. Enjoy War Games. Bye-bye. See ya. There now follows an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown X7. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod and I am hosting Quiz Showdown X7 Christmas Ain't Easy. There will be rounds on wrestling on Christmas and last will be had by all. It will be a good time. You should watch it. 
That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown X7.